Welcome to Homebase Hope, all about autism, the show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasehope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hey guys, and welcome back. Now, because we love this person so much when we had her speak in an earlier episode, I decided to get her back on the show so we can ask her all the questions that we didn't get time to last time. (laughs) So today we are going to be picking Kirsty Worth's brain again. And in case you haven't listened to episode eight of the Homebase Hope podcast with Kirsty, I highly, highly recommend that you do. It is a fantastic intro into gut health. And in case you need a little refresher, Kirsty is the founder of Cultured Wellness, a company whose mission is to inspire and educate people to take control of their health by eating real food and fermented foods that nourish the brain and the gut. She is the brainchild behind Cultured Wellness Culture Starters and Functional Supplements, and she is a fervent advocate for children on the spectrum. And she can totally relate to you because she too is a parent of a child on the spectrum. Her son was diagnosed at a young age and she very openly shares her journey and I'm very grateful to have her on again so um, we can hear all her stories and um, what she's learned over the years and we can soak up all her wisdom and insights. So welcome back, Kirsty. Thank you. I'm so stoked to be back here again. It's getting to the meaty, juicy stuff. It's great. Very yes. happy to be here. Yeah, yeah awesome. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, now normally we start the episode normally with the journey and get a bit of background, but because we've already heard a bit about your journey back in episode eight, um, I'd love to kickstart today with an injection of hope because as I said, you're a mum of a child on the spectrum and lots of other parents will be able to relate to you and your story. And I think in many respects, um, you've crawled through the trenches and you've come out the other side. Um, there are a lot of parents who are very thick in the trenches mm. and they want to know that there are possibilities beyond what they currently think is possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's episode, I'd love it if you could just briefly tell us um, maybe what your son was like in the early stages of diagnosis and all the goals that he's kicking today. <laughs> <laughs> So um, at three and a half, when he was diagnosed, he was um, nonverbal. So um, it didn't even have any functional words. So he was completely nonverbal. You know, the complete lack of eye contact. He certainly had no sort of higher order thought or any processing skills. Um, He barely slept. So it was just a screaming match at bedtime. And then all night long was just settling him and and then if he did settle, then we'd deal with night terrors, all of those kinds of things. He was really aggressive, so he would hit me and pull my hair out and, you know, all of those things that go along with, you know, that sort of um, inability to control himself and have any resilience around anything that wasn't going his way. And um, he behaved very much like a primitive animal, like he just had like he just needed his needs met and any other time but beyond that he was just screaming and so yeah I, I, I couldn't go out and socialize I, I couldn't go to like you know family events or bits and pieces like that and it was really really difficult so you know he, he the prognosis for him was he would be non-verbal for the rest of his life he 
you certainly wouldn't be able to attend a mainstream school or meet those milestones that you want as a parent. So, um, yeah, we were pretty much told to set up and get ready for that. He'd, he'd head off and live in a home and that would be Noah's life. So, um, and, and that's certainly not Noah's life now. He is oververbal and he can't <laughs> stop talking and for all the parents out there it's Sonic the Hedgehog and it's um you know like Teen Titans and all this kind of stuff like he's very very into his creative play and talking about it and he um attends mainstream school and he's age appropriate for his year level he sleeps beautifully his core um and, you know, his motor control, his, you know, basic sort of functional movements are just fantastic. He's far more resilient. So if things are going down in the household, he will actually say to me, mum, let's go and sit down on the couch. I need to talk about this, you know, and I can't control what's happening and I need to talk about it. So he can self-soothe. And now this is, of course, not all the time. Like he is 10. So, you know, stuff goes down, but he's got the capacity to do those things. And he has got all these new resources to be able to sort of manage. So, yeah, we travel with him and um, he's such a joy to be around. He's got an awesome sense of humour. He's completely out there and quirky and I love him for that. But, um, yeah, life is is so much easier now. I mean, we didn't have a life before and now we're just coming out into this awesome sort of, oh, I have a husband and another child and I have friends and like, I actually have a life and all of those sorts of things. And I can, with confidence, go somewhere and not like, <gasps> is this going to all turn pear-shaped? How's this going to roll? So he, it's just phenomenal. We're, and, and he improves every day. We've got a lot to work on. And he just continues to improve. So it's, it's just so beautiful to watch him come out and meet him for the first time, really. That it's just such a remarkable story. And I think it is so powerful because so many parents are just clinging on to that hope. And a lot of the times, like yourself, at the diagnosis stage, not a lot of hope is given. No, I mean, we were, I think we talked about this in the, um, the last episode, we, we were told you know, this is what's going to go down. And I'd really recommend that you and your husband go and get some um, marriage counselling because 80% of marriages break down. So we were told that. It's like, great, so my son's not going to really function and neither is my marriage. It was just, that was what we got told in that day. It was like, holy smokes, wow. What, where do you go from here? What, what do you do? Yeah, it's a hopeless picture that's being painted. And um, for a lot of parents, this is their reality. You know, people buy into that. Um, so it's so great that you've sort of, you know, blazed your own trail and, um, yeah, come out the other side and you're sharing this with the community. It's fantastic and we love you for it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and do you attribute a lot of your son's growth and healing and at this journey um, to his gut health and the healing of his gut. Um, and we spoke a lot about it in episode eight, um, but I'd like to look at it from a different point of view today and looking at um, other things other than food that can impact the state of the gut. Yeah. Obviously you went through healing on a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And one of the things is nature. And I know you are a big nature. <laughs> you're always out in nature. Yeah. Can you talk about, you know, for the parents that are like, what, how does getting outside in nature affect my child's digestive system? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really funny. I had a consult with a client two days ago and the child was going off, like absolutely cutting sick. And my response was, get in the car and go down to either the beach or the national park. And I remember my client being so angry with me. It's like, really? That's your expert advice is getting outside and, you know, I pay good money for you and this is the advice that I get. And, and every time that will always be my advice because, you know, nature physiologically what it does to the body we're only just finding out. I mean, it's just phenomenal and we, we know it, we feel it innately. You can't deny when you sit on the beach and you watch those waves roll in, you cannot deny what it does to you. And it's not just for adults, it's for the kids as well. So, you know, on a basic functional level, as soon as we get out into nature, our heart rate drops, our stress levels drop. You know, we dive into this whole different response of going from like complete fight or flight stressed out to the max to this calm rest and digest. And so that rest and digest is really important. So if you are constantly trying to eat or you're trying to function in that fight or flight state, you cannot digest your food, you can't assimilate your nutrients and you, you basically just can't function. So if you get out into nature and you bring all of that down, the next meal you have, you have such a greater chance of actually being able to digest and absorb that nutrients. So the, the, the effects of this, just the basic stress response in our body is absolutely massive. Now, I know for a lot of families that um, the thought of going out into nature is absolutely scary because it's like they're not caged. What if they run off? You know, what if they completely lose it? People will look at me if they're like galloping around and they're screaming and they're hitting me. And you just have to choose the right nature for you. So I can't stress that enough. Do not try and take your child to a busy playground that doesn't have, um, you know, a fence around it or something because you'll just spend your whole time trying to manage that. Whereas if you go to a safe nature space where, you know, you're out in, in a big national park, they're going to be really safe. No one's going to be watching you. They can run off and gallop around and scream and flap and do everything they need to do. And no one's going to be there to judge you. But that's, that's really daunting for a parent to take their child to a national park into space and just watch them and wait for them to, what are they going to do now? And follow them and let them be in charge of their experience. And if you're not a nature person and you're not comfortable out there, it's really freaky and really scary. But there's nothing better than getting out You've got a trail in front of you, you know no one's about and you just know, they just, they just take off and do whatever they want and climb trees and your only job is to follow them and let them drive the experience. So when I say nature, I don't mean, you know, go to the playground or go down to the beach where there's 50 other families and everyone's going to be watching you while your child's, you know, going off, but like choose the right nature spot. Mm. The other thing about nature is sunshine generally comes from being out in nature. And I know that even like we live in sunny spots, but I know that even in, you know, down south, there is still sun even in wintertime. 
sun provides us with energy. You know, we, we have a lot of studies around the amount of energy within our cells, how it activates this thing called the mitochondria and how it supports our body when we get that direct sunlight, it impacts our circadian rhythm. So that's our body telling us to when to wake up and when to go to sleep. And kids on the spectrum have no concept of when to wake up and go to sleep because they're in front of screens all the time. So we need to reteach their bodies those things. So being up in the morning and outside in the sunshine and obviously we absorb vitamin D when we get out into the sunshine and that vitamin D is massive for immune response, for your hormones, for brain energy, for every single component of our body. It's um, remarkable how many functions in our body rely on vitamin D. So, you know, and, and the final thing about getting out into nature is these beautiful little microbes that live in there and, you know, Dirt is, so, so we're made up of bacteria, which we talked about in that last episode, like 80, 90% of our body is bacteria. And it's like a, a, like a bucket with a tap on the bottom. It does drain out. And so if you're not topping up the bucket up the top, you have an empty bucket of back, good bacteria. And going out in nature, you're topping up that bucket of beautiful, beneficial, ancestral bacteria. Now you know, that's rolling around in the dirt. That's, you know, putting your hands in the dirt. It's going, you know, getting out in the garden. It's walking barefoot. It's even, we know now through studies that even walking in a national park or a forest, we actually inhale the bacteria and it comes into our body. And there's a, a may, I shared it on, um, uh, you know, the Culture Wellness Facebook page uh, like a year ago or something. There's this amazing graphic of someone walking through nature and all the bacteria names that come into the body that's floating around in, in that space. It's so cool. And so you're constantly topping up as opposed to if you're inside and you're stressed, you're constantly draining. And then there's obviously that concept that some people are familiar with, which is that grounding or earthing. And that's that really incredible connection to nature. So once again, it brings us down, makes us feel balanced, grounded, stops that stress response, calms the nervous system. And, you know, you can get into, you know, into your child's sort of mind and start communicating with them. So every time without doubt, if like stuff's going down at home, you literally have to wrangle them into the car and get out into your safe nature spot. So for me, when things were really bad, I just had one spot that I knew really well um, that I could go to and I, I kind of knew where all the trails were and what was going on and I had, you know, baby on the front pack with me and off we went. And then, uh, you know, obviously it's expanded and we go rock climbing and paddle boarding and all sorts of stuff now with Noah. But, yeah, it's um, there should be no barriers. If you're creating barriers to get out into nature, they're your barriers, not your child's. And so why am I nervous? Do I need a backup with me? Do I need my, you know, my partner or a support person to help me go out there and give it a try. So they, they just, they're different kids, absolutely mm. different kids. It's like two personalities. Mm. Well, there, there's a study done um, on kids with ADHD where they did a 20-minute walk around the block in yeah. nature um, or out in nature, 20-minute walk in nature, and how much that calmed down the levels of hyperactivity, inattention, and they're ready to come back, ready to focus, 
Um, and I think we really need to start looking at the healing benefits of nature. We yeah. are so stuck inside, glued to the iPad, um, whatever gaming devices, and it, it can be a struggle. So even like even getting out into the backyard, I mean, mm. if we can tick that sunshine box, if we can tick the putting the feet on the earth, um, you know, I think can be just like an initial great step for parents yes. to turn off the TV and get outside for 10 minutes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it, it should be in your weekly thing. So, you know, if in your weekly you've got, oh, goodness, I don't know, acrobatics on Monday night and then you've got, um, you know, piano lessons on Wednesday or what it, whatever uh, the flow is for a family, um, you know, nature time should be locked in there as the most important thing just as much as all the other after-school activities. And on the weekend, it, your whole weekend should revolve around nature time. Now, I know that sounds really extreme, but this is what, this is what gets these kids back to where they want to be and back into balance again. And so um, it, it's, you just have to go there and, and, and then you'll start to enjoy it and see the benefits too. And you're a better mum, you're a better parent, you can calm yourself down to be more resilient to manage what's going on in your life. And they're, they're, this is amazing. You know, mm. you come out of those situations like, I got this. I got, <laughs> I got this for today. I can manage this today. And I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll, re, like I'll plug that recharge back into nature again and then I got it for another day. So. Um, for the parents who are health conscious and who um, are worried about the sunscreens and different things like that, you're saying get out into the sunshine, what do you recommend or what do you use with Noah? Okay, so um, that's a really tricky one. Some kids won't even put sunscreen on and so that's tricky in itself. I'm not a huge fan of sunscreen because of all the chemicals in there. We have found one which is a surf mud, which is incredible. There's no chemicals on it. And so, you know, we were, it's, it's literally like a mud that goes on your face. So you get it in once in the morning and it stays on all day and you're fine. Um, I do sort of have that sort of rule of being out there for 20 minutes and not really needing any sunscreen. And then after that, do we put a hat on? Do we put a rashie on? You know, do we cover up a little bit? Um, as your vitamin D levels increase and the um, beneficial fats in your body increase, your body is far more resilient to the sun and you don't burn as easily. So you can um, be out for a little bit longer. Um, without obviously burning or you know damaging your skin that but yeah at the moment it's it's exciting there are sunscreens out there that aren't full of horrible chemicals that will send your child into a, a spin um, but I would go for little snippets without anything so you're so it's really hitting the skin and it's providing that amazing amount of vitamin d mm, and awesome. especially on the eyes it's very important for your eyes to be out into the sun unprotected with um, sunglasses and those sorts of things. Now, obviously, in the height of summer and it's really, really bright, you don't do it all the time, but just give your eyes a chance to really connect in and um, have that exposure. What does that do for the eyes? Yes, it's very important, once again, for those circadian rhythms and for that mitochondrial support. So, mm. it's um, yeah, it has a huge benefit to the brain. Mm. Okay. Awesome. All right. Good tip. Um, all right. Let's move on to movement because movement is another thing that can impact the state of our gut. And again, parents might be thinking, how does movement impact the digestive system? 
Can you talk us through, yeah, the connection there? Yeah. So once again, um, movement reduces our stress levels. And so, you know, going out and exercising. Now, obviously, if you trash yourself, you will be stressed out. But if you're doing beautiful, you know, walking or a nice bike ride around the block or hanging out at the park, your stress levels are going to come down. So obviously, then you're going to get into that rest and digest mode. Movement, often we do a lot of twists and a lot of um, incidental movement. You don't even know that we're doing but that helps with that peristilic action for the gut to start moving fecal matter through and for us to actually you know excrete that fecal matter and most um well lots and lots of kids either swing between that chronic constipation or their extreme diarrhea and so it supports that peristilic action and it also helps to create the right acids so when we move we create lactic acid in our body now of course lactic acid too much of it is the whole like your muscles are killing you can't like you wake up the next morning and you're all um tight and sore which is how i feel today (laughs) but um your body's sore and that lactic acid is doing its job it's there to you know to really protect the body and provide that sort of a bit of an inflammatory response to protect it Now, the lactic acid is really important in our gut because it provides the perfect pH in our gut to grow beautiful, beneficial microbes. And so by exercising, little do we know that we are creating the right state of play and environment in our gut microbiome to really get beneficial bacteria in there. So, and obviously with movement as well, where... um, supporting our organs which is very important we're getting you know switching on that core and enabling us to oh the, I could go on about handwriting and all sorts but um, <laughs> it's very important but I think if I can digress a little bit to the brain as well because our gut and our brain are so intricately linked and we know about two percent of what we're going to find out in the next five years, 10 years, it's just so exciting. And when we move, and especially when we do specific movements, we're firing up different parts of our brain. And again, you would know all about this far more than me, but, you know, it's talking to our brain to say, come on, wake up, you know, I'm, you know, I'm stimulating over this on my right side of my body. So in my, you know, my left side of my brain, it's like, oh, the language is firing up and this is firing up and executive functions happening and, you know, and my socialization and all those things can be stimulated in the brain from simple monkey bars or simple like crawling around playing games, pretending to be tigers or elephants or whatever. So when you talk about movement, you have to be with, as a a parent with child with needs, you've got to be a little bit more specific. So that's like why we love going rock climbing with Noah so much because it's lots of cross crawl and lots of things that are going to spark up the body from head to toe. But you don't have to rely on your OTs and you don't have to like go to these sessions all the time and pay an exorbitant amount of money with your NDIS funding. You just, you just go out there and do it. And from my experience, the parents need to do it just as much as the adults. So when my whole process of supporting Noah, I found out my brain function and my gut function and everything needed so much attention 
And so, you know, I needed to do all of that just as much. Mm. So, yeah, the movement sparks responses in the gut that support the brain. It sparks, you know, that lactic acid. It, you know, obviously supports that rest and digest. And there's just so many facets. But um, it's, it's got to be constant. And it's got to be diverse, the kind of movement. And you have to model the movement and you have to be out there doing it and your kids see that it's your priority and you wake up in the morning and let's move. And, and um, you know, like even this morning with Noah, he wanted to get a printout because he loves his printouts to create all these characters. And I'm like, well, dude, you've, you, you've got to go and skateboard around the block, you know, three times, then you can go and get your printout. And it's just a non-negotiable and it's, you know, it's that sort of cause and effect and, and he's used to it now. It took ages to get there, but he knows if you want that kind of thing, you've got to move first. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm glad you did segue into the brain because that is exactly where I was headed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we're learning so much about neuroplasticity yeah. um, and reorganizing the brain and how the brain can rewire itself. Um, and it's continuously doing this. And this is, you know, as we grow up, you know, as kids, as babies, you know, this is movement is our first thing that starts to organize the brain. So um, Mm. I did see um, on your Instagram and social media ages ago that you went, you went to America and you went to the Cerebrum Health Center in Dallas. I would love to know a little bit more about this because I'm sure our listeners would love to know what you learnt as well over there. Oh, we got 10 (laughs) weeks. I was, it was amazing. So we were there for two weeks. Um, so, and we fortunately were, it's like the premier place in the world to go to address specific needs with regards to the brain, um, autoimmunity, you know, they're not super focused on gut. So that was great that we'd really supported that um, moving into it. And so first of all, we learned a lot about our autoimmune condition and what parts of the brain had our autoimmune condition affected. So what this means is that we had specific infections and, um, uh, you know, infections is the right word. So specific infections from our gut that had the amount of toxicity had actually broken down the barrier that protects our brain. It had eaten holes all the way through and got into our brain and basically stopped major parts of our brain working. Now, I say ours because mine, mine results were actually worse than Noah's. So this is incredible when the specialist said to me, on paper with your results, you should be highly medicated and in an institution. Uh, they were like, we've never seen results like this before. I don't act. They thought, like, are you a really good actress? Are you lying? <laughs> like, how were you functioning? But they did a whole heap of other tests because they were like, this is not possible to have these results in your brain, but to be functioning. And I was like, it's your environment. It's your diet. It's nature. It's your, you know, how you perceive the world. It's all of those things I was, I'd been able to work on to, to at least manage the situation and obviously for Noah as well. So we found out the, the damage that had happened in our brains from these horrible infections that it had got in there. And then what we did was we then worked on stimulating those parts of the brain 
with this neuroplasticity, which basically means like time to wake up. You've been asleep for long enough. Let's fire up and getting all those connections working again. So Noah did, um, you know, all these incredible different movements to stimulate the brain. They had even, you know, these uh, electro sort of things that would, if you stimulate the cheek, it has a lot to do with different parts of your brain and your language. And, um, you know, you guys would talk about this in the podcast, but each part of the brain and what it does. And so the most fascinating thing was that the vestibular system, which is really exciting, obviously part of the brain, this vestibular system for us is really poor, you know, very out of whack because it was affected by these infections. So they sat Noah in this gyro machine, which is basically like a big upside down crazy roller coaster, sat him in there, strapped him in and literally flipped him like he was an astronaut spun him round, flipped him forward and to activate the vestibular and the different parts of the brain. And now while he was doing that and being flipped, he had to say the alphabet. <laughs> he had to say the alphabet backwards. I can't even say the alphabet backwards <laughs> like at the best of times, let alone when I'm being spun around and flipped around. And then we'd have, you know, cross crawl sort of stuff like so hands and knees and so every part of the brain was being stimulated whilst you were being flipped upside down and changed and moved around. And, um, yeah, and then obviously lots of, um, you know, balancing on one leg and catching balls with different arms and um, with, you know, different hands. And, but it was just fascinating to go through the process of that really incredible testing to break down what's the infection, what part of the brain is impacted, and let's just rebuild it. Let's just go in there and stimulate it and let the body and the brain find that equilibrium again because it was just so out of whack. Mm. And so we work on it all the time. We didn't go there for two weeks and then suddenly it's all better. Um, but the lessons that we learned were just so fantastic. Um, but I didn't go in the gyro spin. This is too scary for me. And I think that's so great that, I mean, part of the take-home message there too is that um, it's about getting that knowledge and getting that inspiration, knowing what direction you're headed in and then taking it home. And that's what, you know, home base is all about, home-based hope. It's about empowering parents with the strategies to do stuff at home. And like you said, with the movement and OT, you don't need to spend heaps of money um, you just need to know what you should be doing and get on the right track. And you have so many resources in nature at home mm-hmm. um, that you can be accessing that doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons why we went was so, yeah, I could share it and, hey, we learned this here, but now when we go home, this is all we're doing. And it's, it's all stuff you can do at home. Money should never be a restriction for those things because it's just what you do in nature. So, you know, and <laughs> are you swinging Noah off the chandeliers? <laughs> and like, what's, what's replacing the gyro? <laughs> yeah, getting dumped in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. So we, we literally go out in the ocean and he, he goes in like the break and gets dumped. And when you get dumped, what happens? You spin around. And when you go out rock climbing, you can flip upside down in your harness. When you do a handstand, you're flipping upside down. When you're in the swimming pool, you go backwards and forwards. And all these things you do in a day, 
But is he saying the alphabet? (laughs) Yeah, good point. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But even things like when you come home from your OT session and they're telling you, okay, they need to jump on their left leg because, you know, we want to stimulate right side of the brain. Just, you know, write that down and and then just make it um, part of the fun and just add it into your day. You know, if you do 10 left leg jumps, then we can go and do this and make a chart and just make it really fun and then do it for yourself because you'll be so shocked (laughs) what happens as an adult to to your brain. Yeah, awesome. Alrighty, I wanted to touch on anxiety as well because this is, I'm seeing a lot of kids with a lot of anxious and worried feelings. Yeah. Um, And I suppose I do what I can from like a behavioural, sensory, cognitive point of view. But I also am referring a lot of people to you and to check out your website and do some research into gut health. Um, So can you, again, make this connection, anxiety and the gut, how does it relate? Yeah. There is a huge, huge link in the science, in what we see, every aspect of investigation. So it's not just this, you know, oh, so-and-so had anxiety and this is what happened. You know, it's so well documented now that there is a direct correlation between anxiety and the state of your gut. There's also a really direct correlation between anxiety and parasitic activity. So, um, and all kids have worms and parasites. It's not just designed for our really beautiful, unique kids that we work with. It's all kids have it. Now, so in that chronic situation where they, they get a worm or a parasite, that ammonia toxicity that the parasite and the worm releases, it's a byproduct when it's living within us, it gets excreted through our kidneys. So ammonia goes out through those kidneys and it requires heaps amount of, uh, heaps of B6 as one of the nutrients. This, I'm re- this is a very reductionist approach, but one nutrient. Now we know that B6 is a major nutrient in supporting mental health and specifically anxiety. So if you are seeing an enormous surge of anxiety, alarm bells should be absolutely pinging in your head. Quick, let's get a parasite test. Let's look at worms. What's going on? Is it a full moon? That's when they all love to come out and play. Are you seeing some cyclical changes here between my kid is actually fine for three weeks of the month and then they're psycho for a week and I can't, there's, you know, they're anxious. I can't control them. They're not resilient. They don't sleep. They wake up tired. They've got big bags under their eyes. There's some real telltale signs when you know what to look for. So I would definitely look to that. The other thing that we see, and we're actually part of a research study at the moment with Victoria Uni with one of the PhD students, is that we have this incredible bacteria in our gut, which is a beneficial bacteria that helps us to synthesize all of our amino acids that make all our happy brain chemicals. So this specific E. coli produces tryptophan, tyrosine, all of these amino acids that then help us with serotonin and dopamine and all these awesome brain chemicals that make us want to just get up and rock our day and get on with life. Now, if you don't have that bacteria in your gut, You're not going to be able to make those amino acids. You're not going to have any of those happy brain chemicals. 
And so you are going to feel very, very unbalanced and so out of balance. So if I would be investigating number one for all of those parasitic behavior and worms, and then I would be going even further and does my child actually have these bacteria strains? And is actually that's what's causing the anxiety because like for you, there's only so much you can do with that supportive care. And if it's still happening, we've got to go deeper. And then when you find that at that deeper root cause level, when you start to work on that, then all the strategies that like you would implement with your family, suddenly they work and you don't need to see them every week. They actually stick and the child has new level of resilience and um, tools in their toolkit to cope with what's going on for them. Otherwise, it just, it doesn't stick. And it just every week you're, okay, we're, we're dealing with the same thing. So it's just investigating all the time. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I definitely agree. We need to look at the root cause, need to look what's underlying it. Um, and then obviously all the behavioural and sensory things, they, you know, they help form the habits and, um, yeah. you know, the mental state, um, which is really important too. Um, what I was going to ask you is oh, just back on the testing again, what um, I think you did mention it in the last episode, but if you could just remind everyone how they would go about getting a test. Yeah. So, um, okay. So there is a couple of ways to do it. So a basic, you know, stool sample through the doctor, which is Medicare approved, will tell you if there's any lurking parasites in there. There are specific blood tests that you can get that will um, have markers to tell if there's any worms activity going on there. We don't really have any great tests for looking at worms, so we look into bloods. And then if you want to go and investigate a deeper, we use Bioscreen Labs, which is a specific lab in Melbourne that really goes in there and finds that E. coli strain that I was talking about that helps you look for those happy brain chemicals. They also look for parasites. They look for infections in the gut. And really, um, for me personally, when we had our first bioscreen test, it was a like game changer. It was absolutely life-changing for us. It was the best money that we ever spent on, on investigating because it was like, oh, my God, that dude in there. We're like, what is it doing to our body and our brain? Otherwise, we were just guessing the whole time. So, um, yeah, I would highly, highly recommend that you do it. And um, mm. one day, hopefully, it will be Medicare approved. I'll keep oh. working on it. I'll keep working on it. <laughs> Fantastic. Just, just back to the OT um, stuff again and getting that root cause. Um, for Noah, like, he wouldn't even walk on sand. Like, we would try and put him to, off to the beat. Now, this is two adults that the beach is everything to us and our child wouldn't walk on sand or go to the beach. Can you imagine? I was like, no, 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 this, this can't be, this isn't going to happen. He wouldn't walk on the sand. He, you know, he wouldn't wear things with the tags and you know, he was such a sensory kid and I'd only eat the crunchy things and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there was nothing we could do therapy wise. It just, it was just there. It kept happening. The minute we started dealing with the gut problems, it, like it literally just went away. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but it actually did. And so then it was working with our professional support crew to then just change that learnt behaviour. 
because, you know, he had this sort of, oh, I don't put my feet on the sand behaviour. It's like, well, actually you do now. So let's go back and relearn this new behaviour and have all the techniques and supports around that to help him through that. But I don't think he ever would have changed his sensory experiences if we hadn't have fixed his gut and got his nutrients right and got rid of the worms and stuff. So mm. um, it, 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 these things do just go away. They're not like, oh, my, my kid's got sensory issues and we just have to live with it. Such an important message and such a big, you know, parents will be listening to this going, what, really? How yeah, come I don't I know. know about this? How I, come, yeah. you know, the message isn't out there that this can be such an effective solution um, to such a debilitating, you know, like for some kids it can yeah. take over their yeah. life it, it, and families, it can be, the whole family is stressed and, um, you know, it can be really unpleasant. So this is one strategy, you know, that they can start today, start looking into it. And so if we look at that anxiety, if we go back to that anxiety um, gut relationship, so if parents start, um, do the test and then they start looking at probiotics, um, this then is going to help that anxiety, isn't it? Yes. So ideally you, you get in there and you get the right testing and the really specific information and then you work at changing that balance. Um, it's really important to work with someone that, you know, really understands that balance because some kids can't just take any form of probiotics. Some probiotics will actually exacerbate their condition and make it worse. So lots of your crew out there listening are probably like, well, I tried probiotics and my kid actually was worse. And so it didn't work for us and that I've seen that happen a lot. And so families are very nervous of gut health and think that it hasn't worked for them. And that's just because um, all the ducks weren't lined up and it wasn't the right uh, order for your child's specific needs. So you can't, with a kid on the spectrum, just go and grab a probiotic off the shelf and give it to them and assume that it's going to work. You've got to be far more specific with that. So. Obviously, that's how our cultures were designed was, you know, it was like, well, okay, let's research which strains, what's going to help, how's it going to support that sort of chronic condition. But, um, yeah, very important to make sure that you're really understanding what's going on in there and rebuilding it with the specifics. So, yeah. Mm. So could parents purchase, so if they're looking into the gut health and you've got the kefir, you've got the yogurt and you've got that apple um, juice mm-hmm. starters for them. Um, can they just purchase them, or do they need to have the tests done? No, it? so they can purchase the cultures and they can get started on that, and that's fine because of the specific strains in them. They will be fine to start with those. Now, with the anxiety, um, that specific E. coli strain that we were talking about, which is very directly linked in the research and the um, literature that requires an extra probiotic called Mutaflor. And so we sell that at Cultured Wellness and that's then going to really ramp up that coping mechanism and support that anxiety. So you start with the fermented foods on that baseline level and then you slowly work up as you investigate more and as you sort of get get into the swing of things because it's a big world out there, you know, bone broths and fermented (laughs) foods and what the hell am I doing? So you just start at the pace that you can. And how much would you recommend, so for a child who's just starting out on, say, your yoga or the kefir, how much should they start? Yeah, it's really very medicinal. 
And kids that are really out of balance, I would be starting with like a teaspoon a day and just let them get used to it and let their bodies get used to it. And then in an ideal world, you'd work up to a cup a day for the yogurt and two or three cups for the kipper. But they won't like it. (laughs) So you've got to hide it in foods and you've got to expect that they won't like it because um, there's a bit of a war going on in their bodies. They've got these, um, you know, bad bacteria that are calling the shots. They want sugar, they want carbohydrates, and they want that environment to stay like that so they can survive. They're very opportunistic. Whereas your beneficial bacteria, they want beautiful vegetables and fiber and coconut yogurt and stuff like that. So until the balance changes, there, there will be a big tussle going on. And that tussle will be fussy eating, you know, rejecting it, all that kind of stuff. So what is it, 50 times you have to offer a food before (laughs) you actually actually go for it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Even more for some kids, honestly. Um, And and that's what it is. I think it is just about being consistent um, and hiding it in the food is a great idea. Yeah. Um, So you get get their their normal yoghurt. And you literally get a teaspoon of the culture wellness yogurt and you put it in and stir it. They have no idea because the, the flavors all change. But they're still getting that beautiful beneficial bacteria. Mm-hmm. But just to give families hope, so Noah would literally have rice cakes and Vegemite. I, I actually don't remember him eating anything. I'm sure he did. But I, that, that's in my mind all those years ago, that's what I remember and that's all he ate. Whereas now he's, you know, he has liver pate and stews and vegetables and at lunch he'll have like steamed broccoli and um, sauerkrauts in, in his lunchbox that he chooses to eat himself. And he has a huge array of foods and textures and everything. So from a boy that literally was, you know, crunch and white to that, it's just phenomenal. But it, once you change the balance of those bugs, they, they really do come over and eat a, a, a variety of foods. It's incredible. How long did that process take? Okay. Um, <laughs> How long are we talking? Yeah, like so the, so the families that, that I work with now, it takes between three to five days for that initial like I'm going to eat your leg off kind of stuff if you don't feed me that and that real kind of give me the sugar, give me the food. So it's about three to five days. And you are, you're really strong. You don't give in and go, oh, actually, maybe just have that and then we'll get back to it. You have to stick with it. And then, yeah, anywhere between a couple of weeks to sort of three to to six months, they have a full variety of food. So it it really doesn't take long, but it's consistency. Mm, I think the biggest barrier for some parents is that they don't want to starve their kids. So if they're not giving, you know, all those sugary treats that they used to, their kid just will refuse to eat. Good. Let them refuse to eat. They'll be hungry in the end and then they'll eventually want to eat. So I've had clients that when we've swapped them over to a nourishing whole food diet, some of them haven't eaten for two days. And um, obviously if your child doesn't have um, a lot of resources on their body, that's different. But most of these child, the children, are, you know, they've, they've got a bit of resources there. We can play around with it. And, and, yeah, it's this amazing battle of wills between mum and child and, and the bugs. Mm-hmm. And every time the children eventually like, oh, I'm hungry, and they will go back and they will eat the food. But you have to stick with it. 
And if you're nervous about that, work with someone that can support you with that because it's life-changing after they change their diet. Mm. Is there a point that they should get concerned, like when their child, you know? Yeah, definitely. When they're not eating? Yeah, definitely. But we've not really ever encountered, we've we've encountered that with one or two children. And, um, but yeah, not really. The children generally end up, you know, wanting the food. Yeah, Mm. yeah. All righty, cool. Well, I think we might start to wrap it up. I've still got heaps more questions. We'll just have to have you on again. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I keep talking so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. It's fantastic. We might still end with the five rapid fire questions um, because you Ooh, probably have. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> responses. So we asked them last time. So they're the same questions and they're the ones we finish with every episode. Um, and it, you might just come up with different things than your answers last time. So Yeah, beautiful. Number one, what is one habit that our listeners can implement today? Get out into nature and sunshine. Awesome. Number two, what, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? <laughs> is there anything or do they ask you everything? I wish they asked me more about... Um, themselves so you know how could I work on myself to be able to be the best mum I can or dad I can be to support my children how do I do me me first mm. and that, that's all facets you know putting the oxygen mask on yeah yourself. yeah and, and actually asking how to do that and knowing that your children have imbalances in their bodies which generally means the mums and the dads do too so how do I actually do that for me and do it well so I can be the best support crew I can be for my child. So I wish mums would ask that more rather than I've got to fix my child, I've got to fix my child. Mm, Which is so often obviously the priority, but we've got to look at ourselves too. Yeah, because if we're not resilient and strong and have all the resources and the knowledge, that we we just can't be the, the best person for our children. Great. Number three, what book would you recommend that all parents read? Oh, wow. Uh, so either of Dr. Perlmutter's books would be amazing. So his latest one, The um, Grain uh, Gut. Oh, can you remind me what it's called? No. Uh, so his first right. one is Grain Grain. Brain, Brain. And yeah. the second one is Gut Brain or something like that. So it's amazing. There is actually a chapter in there on, uh, you know, kids with developmental needs, kids on the spectrum and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and how that interlinked gut-brain connection. Mm-hmm. He, un- he unpacks it beautifully. There's a mm-hmm. nice mixture of science as opposed to discussion. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's the one with the broccoli on the front, is that it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the brain. Brain, yeah. brain and something else yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) just read both (laughs) you'll be fine um what is one of your top unfinished bucket list items oh goodness me uh professionally or personally wow big question big question um so my unfinished stuff will be yeah writing my book so oh i'm on to it and I'll get there in the end, but I would really like to finish, um, yeah, writing so I can sh- just share more. So yeah, yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. looking forward to that. Wait, is there any timeline on that? Or yeah, probably in the next six months to a year. I'm going to call it the uh, Gutville. 
Mm. So who lives in Gutville? <laughs> and how do they all behave and what yeah. kind of personalities and how do they interact? And, yeah, we're working on a children's book at the moment as well. So ah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yay. Okay, great. Um, And last question, if you could only offer one piece of advice to parents, what would it be? Stop, sit and look and listen to your child. Yeah. Instead of thinking you know what's right for them or thinking that the professionals around you know what's right for them, really sit down and look and listen and be there for them. So step aside from being the warrior mum for a minute and just engage and sit and be mum. It's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's all that connection. It all comes back to connection, doesn't it? Yeah, every time, yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of connection, how can our listeners connect with you? (laughs) (laughs) What a segue. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, So cultured wellness with a K. So culturewellness.com is our website. Um, on, we have a community group, which is a closed community group on Facebook, which is um, I do a lot of sort of impromptu sort of little um, discussions and workshops in there and lots of information. The Culture Wellness Health Coaches support that group. So you can actually ask questions in there and respond. Obviously not super technical questions about some of the stuff that we've worked on today um, and then our main Facebook page. And then if you want to sort of follow me more personally on the stuff I get up to more on a daily basis and those sorts of things, then Instagram's the place to go and it's all cultured wellness. So Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's just amazing. Like I have to go back and listen to the podcast again. Like <laughs> <laughs> really oh, soak it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're amazing. Like even just looking at you, like you're glowed. You definitely, obviously, walk the talk. So um, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, and thank you to you for being able to provide this vehicle and all this support for everyone out there. It's I didn't have any of this, you know, when I was back in the trenches. So I'm just so <laughs> stoked that there is support out there now. So please keep going. <laughs> yes, I will. We're, we're charging through, not yeah. stopping. Awesome. 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 Cheers. Bye. Thank you, Kirsty. Bye. You. Thanks, guys, for listening. I really hope you got some value out of today's conversation. Now, I would love to connect with you. I am really active over on Instagram and Facebook, so I'd love it if you came over and you said hi. All you have to do is search Homebase Hope and you will find me there. Now, if you don't know already, I am a lover of essential oils and a doTERRA wellness advocate. I really believe in the value of essential oils. And if this is something that you would like to explore and learn how you can use them in your family's life, then please get in touch. I would love to connect with you. And also, if you head over to Homebase Hope website, so that's homebasehope.com.au, I have created lots of visuals and social stories. So visuals in terms of first then, choice boards, visual schedules for toileting, getting ready in the morning. I've done all the hard work for you. Um, these are printables that are available on the, on the website so you can access today. 
Finally, if you love this fortnightly injection of information, please subscribe to the podcast. All you have to do is head to iTunes and hit the subscribe button. And every fortnight, you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. If you do like the show, please jump on iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can discover this podcast and so we can inspire positive change for more people living on the spectrum. You can access all of the show notes and other episodes at homebasehope.com.au. And until next time, guys, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences, and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. See you soon, guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.